Our reading today is taken from Exodus chapter 17, starting at verse 8, and that's on page 69. The Amalekites defeated. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely erase the memory of the Amalekites from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for the people of Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And now go to verse 9. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh, and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this for those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge, while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, what, are you, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. In our prayers for others this morning, we're going to pray for Helen Little, who's serving with OMF in Japan this morning. So let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, what a privilege it is to join together in prayer before you, the great I am. 
to be able to bring people and nations and personal matters before you, Lord. What a gift and privilege it is. This morning, Father, we bring again the people and nation of Syria to you. We pray for those who've left their country, their homeland, for those who are now living in tents on the outskirts of other nations and countries, waiting to see what will happen. We pray for them as they have lost their homes, their work, even family members along this way. Lord, fill them with the hope of the gospel that even though they may be strangers and aliens in a foreign land, may they know the call of God upon their lives to become his people, his treasured possession. Lord, we ask that you would help all those within Syria who are eager to do good, who are wanting to help the nation and people. We pray for the situation with the many hospitals which have been wiped out. Lord, give all involved the resources and help to deal with the injured, the wounded, and the dying. Lord, today we give you thanks for John uh, McKibben and Andrew Schott's safe arrival to Moldova. As they today meet your people in Golgotha Baptist Church, may they be an encouragement to the church. We pray for this church's plant as well. As those people meet together, may they know the Lord's strengthening. May they have such a zeal for sharing the good news of Jesus. And Lord, we ask that you would add to your church those who are being saved. Lord, be with John and Andrew as they go to the men's prison and give out gifts and gospel booklets. May many within that prison there come to know the grace and love of God, we pray. Father God, we thank you for Helen Little's time with us over the last year. Thank you for being able to meet her personally. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to hear her talk about Japan and the work and life and ministry that you've called her to. Thank you for answering prayer for her and how well she has settled back into life in Japan. Lord, give her wisdom as she gets alongside families on the mission field. Help her to love them as she supports parents and children. We pray for the Lighthouse Church that Helen attends. Be with the pastor and congregation as they seek to grow in Christian maturity. Help them in the task of making disciples wherever you've placed them so that many more Japanese will come to know and love Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Lord, we pray especially for Helen as she attends the local gym, as she develops those relationships with some of the women there, that these friendships will deepen and grow and bring much blessing to one another, and that, Lord, many will see the love of Jesus through her, we pray. Father God, this day some of us are carrying burdens and concerns and sadness. Others of us are joyful and being deeply thankful. And so in this moment of silence, we bring to your throne of grace those concerns and those things which we are so thankful for. Lord, hear our prayers, for we ask them in the name of Jesus, our great high priest, who sits at your right hand. Amen. Amen. Last night, I went up into the roof space, and I brought down uh, something I hadn't unpacked since we moved in two and a half years ago. And what was it? Yes. <laughs> this is my favorite stick, a beautiful uh, piece of wood, blackthorn. 
And why did I bring it down? Because I wanted to see how long I could hold it up. Uh, not very long before I had to put it down. And I, I, I put it down because the thought came to me that men holding up blackthorns have a place in our local history and maybe I should move on. <laughs> so uh, I'm holding this one, which is well done, Brand, and you can all turn around if you like. Uh, this is African and much heavier and a bit bigger. Uh, now, why did I bring these things to have a kind of children's address in the sermon spot? Well, I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's go back to Exodus. Now, we have seen in Exodus 15 and 16 and the beginning of 17 how God cared for his people. He rescued them from Egypt. He miraculously took them through the Red Sea. And then he brought them into what? A desert, the wilderness of Sinai. And there, what did they do? They grumbled. And the Lord provided their basics. Water on two occasions and food manna in the morning, some kind of uh, vegetable, uh, some kind of plant, we think, and uh, meat in the evening, quails. But the, the, did he, would he provide for that other basic, not just food and water, but that other basic that we all need? And what's that? protection, protection. And here we come to the passage that was read. You may want to turn to it, Exodus 17 and verse uh, 8, where we read, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. They attacked them. Nothing like this had happened before. And how would Moses respond? Well, he responded in two ways. First, we read that uh, he sent uh, Joshua with some men to go and defend themselves, fight with the Amalekites. And when while they went out to defend the people and engage in battle, Moses went up, up the hill, and here's the walking stick bit, as you've all already realized, taking what's called here the staff of God in my hands, in verse 9. As we come to think about this, Let's ask for God's guidance. Oh Lord, you provide for our basics. Food, drink, protection, security. And give this morning 
give us understanding and give me clarity that your word will be will speak to each one of us and by your grace we will all respond in Jesus name amen when uh, moses meant god in the desert earlier at the burning bush he didn't want to respond and God said to him at the beginning of Exodus 4, what's that in your hand? It was a, a shepherd's staff, a stick, if you like, a rod. And he said, throw it down. And it became a snake. And the, 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 the staff in Moses' hand played an important part throughout the story of the plagues. The staff was what, if you like, was an instrument of God's power and summoned God's power. Uh, Moses held up the staff and there was another plague. Two plagues specifically refer to Moses' action with the staff and the plague came. And with the staff later, he stretched it out and God divided the waters. And now they were engaged in battle. They weren't trained soldiers. They didn't have an army. It was a, a, a scratch group that Joshua had gathered together and rushed out. They didn't have many weapons. What did Moses do? He went up the hill and he had the staff in his hand. And what do we read? We read that when he held it out, the Israelites were winning, and when he lowered it, the Amalekites were winning. And Moses got tired. He wasn't a young man. He got tired, but fortunately, he didn't go up on his own. He had his brother Aaron on one side, and her another elder, on the other side. And when he got tired, what did they do? They got a stone and they sat him down and as his hands were raised, maybe he was holding the, the staff now by two hands, possibly. But anyway, what they did was each, at each side, they held up his arms with the staff, calling on God to intervene, which he did. Now, in the New Covenant, we don't need sticks. We call on God by prayer. And this passage is all about partnership. My first point is this, partnership in prayer. Partnership in prayer. Prayer which wasn't just prayer. Remember, it was prayer linked to action. Moses was praying and Joshua was fighting. Fighting without summoning God's help, they would have been defeated. Praying without action, nothing might have happened. I remember 
uh, we lost a passport. It was lost in the post. And we were in Brazil, and our children were in Ireland coming out to visit us, and suddenly we heard that one of the passports hadn't been returned. I phoned home, and one of the people responded. He said, I will pray. And I thanked him, but that's not the response I wanted. I wanted somebody to go around and talk to the passport people and get all the things you need to get a passport very quickly so that our family could get out. I was grateful for the prayer, but it also needed action. Prayer in action in partnership and partnership in prayer with other people. Partnership in prayer with other people. Until you pray with others, you don't realize the blessings, the blessings that corporate prayer brings. Later on, Susan in Life Builders will be talking about prayer, and I think she's mostly talking about our, our personal prayers. But here in this text, I want to stress praying together, praying in home groups. That's when uh, the, the, the biggest element of our corporate prayer in this congregation, praying in the prayer meetings, Wednesday night, Sunday night, and sometimes at other times. Praying in prayer triplets. Here's the first prayer triplet in the Bible. And, of course, prayer ministry at the end of morning and evening services. There is, sometimes I go to the prayer meeting, and, you know, you're, you're never always full of beans. You know, Ruth will tell you I'm full of beans 90% of the time, <laughs> if only. We're never always full of beans. But when we pray together, our hearts are lifted. And I feel like thanking every other person who is praying there with me. And there's something special about that. And just to take a, another thing, uh, this was prayer without embarrassment. Moses was up the hill with the staff. Everybody could see it. Sometimes when people are uh, mentioning a need to me, I find myself saying, I'm thinking about you or I'll think about you. And then I think afterwards, what on earth does that mean? How many of us nowadays are simply embarrassed to say to somebody, I'll pray for you? How many of us? Now we talk about thinking about. You know, our Catholic friends, they're not embarrassed. They say, oh, we'll say a wee prayer for you. We'll light a candle. Well, they're not embarrassed. Why are we... No, I feel a rant coming on, so I'll just calm down. Why are we embarrassed about telling people we'll pray for them? Two reasons. One, we don't want to appear too holy. Why not? And two, we know we probably won't pray anyway. Why not? Well, I'll forget. Yeah, that's my excuse. Well, have a wee card 
And when you say you're going to pray for somebody, you're not promising to pray for them all day and every day, but write their name down and pray for them. It, it only takes a moment, but keep bringing them to the Lord. Partnership in prayer. Secondly, and we're moving into uh, chapter 18, and I have to move along. Uh, here we have in verses 1 to 12, partnership in worship. Moses' family arrives. Jethro, his father-in-law, Zipporah, his wife, and the two boys, Gershom and Eliezer. And Jethro was from another tribe, not the Amalekites, but the Midianites. He's described as a priest of Midian. They were another tribe, but they were a more friendly tribe than the Amalekites. And Moses told him, verse 8, all that the Lord had done, how he had rescued his people through uh, the, the, the plagues, how finally Pharaoh had been persuaded, nay, forced to let them go, and all the other elements in the Exodus. What the, the, this was all, as we've read before, how they were to show what God was like, his power, his might, and his care for his people. Exodus 9, 16, the Lord says to Moses, I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And here it was. News had got to the tribe of Midian and Jethro. And he came and he wanted to do more. And when he heard Moses explaining to him, he went, wow. And what do we read? We read verse 10 that he praised the Lord. He said, praise be the, to the Lord who rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro went on, now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods here, this purpose of God was being fulfilled. They were all hearing of how great and mighty and compassionate God was for those who followed him. And what was Jethro's response? He acknowledged that God was greater than any other God. And then look on. Verse 12, he brought burnt offerings and other sacrifices. And then later on in that verse, and this is what I just want to say a little bit about. And he, he brought burnt offerings and other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. Moses was there too, I'm sure, it was probably in his tent. But the leaders came in the context of worship, sacrifice, 
and together they met in the presence of God and ate food together. I see this as partnership in worship. Unfortunately, regular attendance at public worship is not as common as it used to be, even among people who claim to be following Jesus. I can't get my head around it. I can't get my head around it. A few Sundays ago, we were studying Hebrews 10. Do not neglect to meet together as some are in the habit of doing. Oh, there are all kinds of reasons, and it's hard to get the kids interested, and they get bored. And Yeah, I know, we've all been there. We've all been there. But if we don't discipline ourselves to attend regularly, to meet with God's people, to encourage one another, and to be encouraged we are on spiritual decline. And that's a message of Hebrews. Last point. Last point. Next day, look at chapter 20. No, chapter 19. Look at chapter 19 and verse 13. Jethro went out to see how his son-in-law, to see his day job. And what was his day job? Judging in the sense of administering the law and order to his people. And he was appalled. Damien mentioned rugby earlier. Well, some, uh, it, it's not every culture that is, is keen on uh, orderly queuing. Orderly queues are... Um, something that Anglo-Saxons are reasonably good at. But when you get into Latins, as we have in the past, and when you get into other cultures, uh, they, they may not know anything about rugby, but they certainly know how to scrum. You've been there? And it's mob, and how on earth do you get anything done? And when you have to get at a petty officialdom, uh, if you're in a foreign country, fighting your way through the hordes to get to the table. Oh, awful. And Jethro said, hold on, Moses boy. Hold on. He said, look at verse 13. Uh, they stood around him from morning till evening. That's all the people milling around. When Jethro saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning to evening? And then if you look at verse 17, he says, this isn't good. You and the people, both of you, will only wear yourselves out. The work is far too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Burnout is a problem in the church as in many other places. 
where we think we can do it on our own. Uh, some uh, members of session and others in this congregation will be very happy to see this passage. Uh, they're management consultants, and I think Jethro should be the patron saint of management consultants. What does he do? He reorganizes. And Moses took this secular, it didn't come from the Bible, it didn't come directly from the Lord, it came indirectly from the Lord through a pagan, a non-follower, uh, at least up to that point. Jethro says, no, no, you have to get organized. And leaders of fives and tens and hundreds and thousands. I was interested this morning. Clifford said he needed help. He can't run the seniors on his own. And B was asking for help. This wonderful idea of, listen, some of you were praying for a Saturday morning off from the kids. Here it's come. Some of the rest of you, this is the action which has to go with prayer. Help out. The kids will enjoy it, and you can have coffee with friends wherever you wonder to have coffee with friends. Sorry, my throat's going. I mustn't get worked up here. <coughs> Jethro told him what to do. It's interesting. I think I'll suck a lozenge. Yeah, here we go. Let's see if it does any better. Note 19 and 20. Note the scriptures here. He says, you are the people's rep representative to God. You have to bring their needs to the Lord. We do this in the service, in our intercessions. We can't every Sunday bring everybody, so we just have to pick up and try and, uh, <coughs> over time, cover most needs. And then 20, that's very interesting. We have to teach them the decrees and laws of God. These came some verses later, Exodus 20. So we need to learn how God wants us to live. And that's how and why we must attend to the scriptures to learn how God wants us to live. And those who teach and others, note the text, have to show them the way to live. Model it. And isn't that a challenge to us all? And then, verse 21, enlist others who will help us. Involve the congregation. People who are capable, people who fear and honor God, people who aren't interested, what they call here, dishonest gain, who are not out for money, well, you don't get money in church, who aren't out for praise and glory, you know, the me, me people. No, no. But we as a congregation 
mustn't leave it to the ministers. If you do, and I say this uh, reverently, God help you. Because ministers can't do everything. Nor elders, nor other leaders. (coughs) The result, we see in 23. If you do, you will be able to stand the strain. And if you do, all the people will go home satisfied. I think my voice is telling me it's time to stop. So I will. But it's, it's also time for us all to be silent. And let's be silent and let's pray. And let's just think about these things. Partnership in prayer and not being ashamed to let others know you'll pray for them. Partnership in worship. And partnership in leadership and service. Lord, help us sincerely to say, as young Samuel did long ago, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And true listening leads to following. Glory be to your name, through Christ. Amen.